0: Welcome to the podcast series for the ESRC funded International Centre for Life Course Studies in Society and Health at UCL. In today's podcast, Dr Ellen Flinch from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine discusses new research which looks at how we travel to work and the links with our weight and body composition. We wanted to look
1: at the relationship between active commuting and by active commuting, we're thinking of that in terms of cycling and walking, but also public transport use. And we wanted to look at the relationship between those behaviours and two measures of well obesity or kind of weight status, BMI and also a portion of body fat, so so a body composition measure as well. But also we wanted to see whether this relationship was affected by a range of other factors, you know, in people's lives, which may influence their weight, but also may influence their decisions around travel mode to to get to work. Things like diet quality, socioeconomic advantage, you know, income, also elements like having a long-term limiting illness or a disability, even down to the age and the gender of the person. We were wondering to what extent those factors determined commuting mode and, and whether or not they might actually be responsible for any association that we found between active commuting and under obesity.
0: And where did you get your information from? What, what was the data source that you used and what did it en- enable you to, to, to look at? particularly? We were really lucky
1: when we, when we set out to uh, try and answer these questions that we had such an excellent data resource, which is the UK Household Longitudinal Study, or as it's better known, Understanding Society. This is a very large, very rich data source. Understanding Society gave us the opportunity to use objectively measured biological markers of of obesity and weight status. And and by that, I mean BMI measurements where the height and weight of the individual were measured by a nurse using um, standardised equipment and protocols, And also the percentage body fat, the body composition measurement, which was measured again by a trained nurse using electrical impedance, uh, which passes an electric current through the body via the feet. In comparison with other studies in the past that have had to rely on self-reported measurements of height and weight to calculate BMI, this is a real advantage because we know that individuals tend to systematically over-report their height and under-report their weight. So having this objective measurement of weight status really allowed us to have a lot more confidence, really, in the results that we were able to get out of our analyses. It's such a wide data set. So it has information on so many different domains, realms of people's lives, you know, their income, their other health conditions, health status, all all manner of other socioeconomic um, and behavioural factors. And, uh, and diet quality as well. So, an understanding society gave us gave us that opportunity to, to really take the full view of the lives of the individuals to kind of get a lot more perspective on this relationship between commuting and, and weight status.
0: When it came to the question of then of how we travel to work, first and foremost, what did, what did you find?
1: In line with results from the the recent England and Wales census in 2011, we found. That the individuals in understanding society are pr- primarily car commuters. In the census, 67% of adults in the UK who who commute to work use private motorised transport. Public transport comes in at around 18% in the census. Walking, 11% of commuting individuals, and then cycling, only 3%. The the proportions of of our sample members who use these forms of transport to get to work was broadly in line with the with the, with the patterns in the census. You know, reflecting it the fact that Understanding Society is a UK representative data set.
0: And when you compared the BMI of people who used private transport versus public or active transport, what did you find there?
1: We found a large, independent and significant relationship between active and public transport use and weight status and body fat so the hypothesized relationship if you like that commuting more actively would be associated with lower weights and healthier body composition was borne out by the data even after controlling for this range of other factors such as diet health status income urban rural residential classification etc we found that on average men who commute actively or by public transport, walking, cycling, they, they tended to be a whole BMI point lighter than their car commuting counterparts. Similar results were seen for women, slight, slightly lower uh, size and effect, but, but still strong, significant, independent relationship for women as well. And one of the really particularly interesting things, I think, from this data, which perhaps wasn't completely expected... Was that the effect sizes were really similar for public transport and for the more traditionally active walking and cycling? The average man in our sample, so in, in his mid 40s, very slightly overweight, we could say is on average half a stone lighter if he commutes actively or by public transport compared to a very, very similar guy in our sample who commutes by car. Half a stone is, I'm sure quite a quite a significant difference for women it was a 2.5 kilogramme Difference so slightly less than half a stone.
0: And was the story the same when you looked at um, percentage of body fat?
1: Sometimes BMI comes in for a bit of flack in terms of how accurate it really is in terms of measuring weight status. Specifically, say for younger men who may have a higher proportion of muscle mass, it's quite important, I think, to use a kind of a complementary measure of body composition to kind of kind of add to the picture. Really, we found that on average, after adjusting for a range of uh, potential confounding factors you know behavioral social etc we found that men who actively or or public transport commuted they had a a body fat one percentage point lower than their car uh, commuting counterparts and that was again a very similar effect size for women we we kind of think that taking those two measures together it it really kind of confirms the, the, the picture that we're seeing from BMI.
0: What would you say are the key takeaway points, uh, you know, particularly for policymakers, but, but also for individuals?
1: Even though we all know that taking more exercise and doing more physical activity is going to help you potentially lose weight or maintain a healthy body weight and comp- composition, we still have this situation whereby the vast proportion of individuals who commute to work regularly in the UK are using a very sedentary form of transport. You know, they're driving their cars. The thing for policymakers is to really consider in transport planning the health effects of um, public transport and active transport to really try to integrate these health considerations into transport policy, town planning and urban design, cities can be active by design. And the more evidence that we have that really confirms that across the population of the UK, people who commute actively, that they really do seem to be lighter and have a healthier body composition. The more sort of evidence, the more weights that we can get behind this, I think the more impetus there is really in in policy terms to realise the untapped population health improvement potential of these big modal shifts that we can make in how people travel. Increasing the amount of incidental physical activity in our lives is, is a really great way to just put a bit more exercise in w- without it taking up particularly any more time or any particular organisation. Or, so, so for individuals, I, I, I would say, even though you might not consider riding the bus to be any more energetic than sitting in the car, this evidence suggests that that it is, because you may not notice a 10-minute walk to the bus stop, but it's really contributing to meeting your recommended uh, levels of physical activity. I know I live in London, I have to stand on the tube, which isn't a lot of fun at the time, but it's building in more exertion, more physical activity into daily life. And all the evidence suggests that that helps us maintain a, health, a healthy weight protect against obesity-related health conditions.
0: Just finally then, Ellen, are you planning to take this work forward? And I wonder, if so, what more can be done to get a better understanding of those links between commuting and our health and fitness?
1: This study allows us to take a snapshot of the BMI and body fat of a subsample of around seven seven and 7,500 people. And it allows us to basically look at the association between their weight. That gives us a pretty good picture. We can't say for sure that the active commuting is what is what causes the lower weight status that we see in the, in the active commuters. So a study like Understanding Society that will be following these individuals into the future throughout their lives is going to be absolutely great for research when, um, when, when we get these repeated data points and we're able to, to look at um, how individuals' choices maybe change over time in terms of how they commute to work and seeing if we can relate these to changes in weight that would really give us an excellent idea about about the causality in this and and that's something that i want to um, pursue into the future in terms of um, further research
0: Associations between Active Commuting, Body Fat and Body Mass Index, population-based cross-sectional study in the United Kingdom, is researched by Ellen Flint, Stephen Cummins and Amanda Sacker and is available free of charge in the British Medical Journal. This and other related papers on active transportation and health are also available from the ICLS website at www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash ICLS.